Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Genesis chapter 22, reading verses 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Isaac to his father, said to his father, Abraham, Father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this, have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the heavens, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived in Beersheba. Father, we are thankful for your word today. And I pray in these moments together this morning that you would speak by your Holy Spirit 
that we might gain a heart of wisdom and apply the truth that is your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was back in uh, the fall of 1972, and I was taking a course in um, existential philosophy. It was my senior year in college. And um, that's when I first encountered this text from Genesis chapter 22 and the sacrifice of Isaac. And this Danish philosopher, his name is Soren Kierkegaard, and the amazing thing about him, he is not only a philosopher, he was also a Christian, a very strong Christian. And he was uh, talking about these things from the perspective of his deep faith, but also from philosophical perspectives. And you see, what I really, really like about this particular passage is that it asks, at least from my perspective, it asks the basic question of faith, and that is this. If God asks me or asks you to return to him, give up my most prized possession, that which is most dear to me, and seemingly to go back on the promise that he has made me, would I obey? Because you see, here we have Abraham. And that's exactly what God was asking him to do. And I believe that's what God asks of all of us. Because it is the question of faith. Do I truly believe that God is going to provide? So first, we have the story of a father and a son. And the text says, the words of God to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. But we have a problem here, don't we? Abraham had two sons, didn't he? One by Sarah's handmaid. Because back years before, Sarah was getting a little frustrated. She said, look, look, Abe. We're not having children, so take my handmaid and have a child by her. And now he has a second son, the one by the handmaid. The second was by the promise, right? Because Abraham knew even when Sarah came to him and said, look, take my handmaid and have a child because we're not having any children. Abraham knew that that was not the way God had ordained it, had planned it. You see, because the interesting thing, you know, we talk, talk about Abraham as the father of faith. Well, he didn't demonstrate faith all the time. He became impatient, number one, resulting in adultery, right? A child out of wedlock. But as well, in prior years, when he had gone places, one of those uh, down into Egypt, he, tried, he passed off Sarah as his sister, twice, presumably to save his own skin, protect his own skin. But you know, here's the thing about that, and I love preaching through the Old Testament, because time and time and time again, we see these dysfunctional people, you know, beginning with Adam, right? 
and then uh, Noah, and here we have Abraham, and Abraham's son Isaac, and Jacob, and, and it just, David, you know, flawed, sinful people. But the fact is, God used them, didn't he? in marvelous ways to work out his will. And the, and the fact of the matter is, that gives me encouragement, should give you encouragement, because that says, man, God can use us in all our flawedness and in all our dysfunction, right? We, that's a, a big word today, right? Dysfunction. You know, families are dysfunctional and people are dysfunctional. In any event, God can use us. But the interesting thing about sin, though, it can have lasting consequences, can it not? And maybe you think otherwise about something that, that you have done or are doing, but, but in any event, look at the lasting consequences of Abraham's sin. They're with us today. Look at what's going on in Israel right now. The conflict between Arabs and Israelis. Conflict that, that is going on now is really originated between Ishmael and Isaac, right? Because Ishmael was conceived by an Egyptian woman. And of course, Isaac by Sarah, a Hebrew. But there's the conflict today, right? It's gone on for what? Maybe three or four thousand years. And we're still experiencing the consequences of Abraham's sin. Isaac was a recognized son of promise. Born in old age. What? Abraham was a hundred. Sarah was ninety. Born beyond reproductive age. But the fact is, God, our God, is a God of the impossible, isn't he? And we see that when the angel Gabriel told Mary when he made the announcement. And Mary was sort of inquiring. And the angel says, with, with men, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. With God, everything is possible in his will. Maybe that's why God kept Sarah barren for all those years, to show his impossible possibilities. So in 2008, I was 50, 57 years old and I lost a job. I've been working as a chaplain and social worker in nursing homes for 15 years. And the one where I was working, um, I'd been there for 10 years. And that was 2008. A friend of mine blessed me with a part-time job. I never, I never had a full-time job after that. And I would apply to jobs in nursing facilities for chaplaincy, for social work. Nothing. I had interviews and never got a job. You know, and the fact of the matter is, the longer an individual is without a job in their chosen career, the less likely it is that they're going to get a job in that area. And of course, that's, that's definitely true in, in the tech industry, right? Because technology is just increasing and, and changing so quickly that you lose the edge. And so I, I kept trying, I kept trying, and eventually, 
Um, a year later, well, I just decided to go hiking. Every time I pick up a, a Appalachian Trail Journeys magazine or a backpacking magazine, they're talking about all these people who are going backpacking. Why? Because that was 2008. That's when the uh, economy turned down, right? And many people lost their jobs, and it was a difficult time to get a job. And so I said, sure, why not? But, but it was interesting. Uh, I, was, I was training. I kept training and training. And, and I've been back, I've done a lot of backpacking over the previous 10 years, but um, I was still checking out job opportunities. And, and I would, was hiking, was training, and I was hiking by this one uh, construction site day after day. And eventually, one of the guys said, now look, I've watched you all these weeks, and I figured, well, you're, even, you're either homeless or you're training for something. And so I told him, I said, well, I'm, I'm training to attempt a through-hike of the Appalachian Trail, but I got, I'm, I'm holding off because I'm checking on these job opportunities. You know, he said, he said, screw the job. You can get a job anytime. Go follow your dream. So I did. Ended up hiking 1,300 miles, and then I herniated a disc in my back, and so I couldn't finish the trail. The whole trail is 2,200. I only have, I have like uh, 230 left to go. But in any event, I came home. And then I didn't have unemployment. And then I didn't have a job. And the job that I found was working nights in an all-night convenience store. It was the, the Red Apple out there on 422 because I was, I was living in New Wilmington. And so there I was working nights part-time in an all-night convenience store I remember wrestling with God in those long nights. And I said, so, um, I said, Lord, I need a full-time job. And you know what he said in my heart? He said, Dan, are, you, are your needs being met? And they were. I was amazed. It was a time of great, great blessing for how people, how the people of God provide, how my church and my family provided and cared for me. And so then, then another night I was, I was saying, well, so Lord, this is why you sent me to seminary, right? To uh, mop floors and scrub toilets in an all-night convenience store. And you know, and then the word came back to my heart. He said, Dan, yes, you need just a little more experience to serve basic, basic service of humanity. And then another night I was in prayer and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said, listen, tomorrow morning. And, and now listen, none of this was verbal. And I didn't hear this with my ears. I heard this in my heart. And, and I can just sort of, this is what he said. He said, look, tomorrow morning after you sleep, get up, take a shower, put on your coat and tie, make a fresh copy of your resume, and go down to the city rescue mission and introduce yourself to the executive director. And of course, this was, this was like July of 2010. No, I guess it was July of 2011. And, and so I did. And the interesting thing is, after I got the job there, I found out he, he was as much out of the office as he was in the office. And so it was certainly a divine appointment for me to go and speak to him. I, and I just said, look, the only reason I'm here is because the Holy Spirit prompted me to introduce myself to you. And I did. 
And he said, well, we don't, we don't have any job opportunities right now, but if you want to volunteer, that'd be, that'd be great. Well, volunteering didn't work out. And then it was, came September, and I was still without a job, uh, working in the convenience store. And, and you know, I remember praying when I said, okay, Lord, if this is what you have, I was 60 at the time, is if this is what you have for me, then I'm happy to serve you here. And then in another two years, start collecting my Social Security and, and continue working and just saying, Lord, your will be done. Well, I think that released me. And then another month later, I get a, an email from the associate pastor of the church I was attending. And the email said, look, there is a job opportunity at the City Rescue Mission. And that was amazing. But, but here's what happened. Uh, I learned over those years to discern voices in my head, right? And so the first voice that spoke said, Dan, you're not qualified for that job. You have no experience. You don't know what you're doing. There's, it's just pointless for you to even make a phone call. But then the Lord spoke, and he said, listen, you went backpacking for four and a half months, and that's a form of homelessness, right? I carry my all my belongings on my back, right? And go from shelter to shelter to shelter. Or I also carried a tent, and sometimes I have to pitch a tent because I didn't want to go as far as the shelter, the next shelter. And, and then you read this book, Irresistible Revolution, which is the story of an individual, a guy named Shane Claiborne, who uh, started doing, he, when he was in college in north of Philadelphia, go down to Philadelphia and minister to homeless people. And then after college, by way of meeting Mother Teresa in, in India, he came back and started his own ministry to homeless people in Philadelphia. It's still going on today, and it's, and it's a vibrant ministry. And then I told my pastor in the spring that um, I thought I was leading, that the Lord was leading me into ministry to homeless people, Right? And Dan, and the Holy Spirit spoke in, and Dan, I sent you to the mission to introduce yourself to the executive director, and now I'm laying a job in your lap, and you're not even going to make a phone call? So I made the phone call. And by November, I was on staff at the City Rescue Mission. And, and it was just an amazing, amazing thing how God provides, right? And, and here is a new career opportunity at age 60. But all these things, you see, prepared me for that time. And that's why I needed to work there at the uh, uh, convenience store, right? Because whom do you meet at night in an online convenience store? You meet the homeless people, right? You meet, meet the people who are in desperate need. Anyway, here was a new opportunity, a new career opportunity at 60, but it's all God. And age does not matter. And I learned that. Age does not matter. So I could minister to those men at the mission and say, look, look what God has done for me. And he can do it for you if you trust him. Now, those were, those were hard, work, hard years, almost a decade's worth. Because earlier, my wife in 2003 had left me and filed for divorce. And from 2003 to 2013, I, I started getting all these medical... Every time I go to the doctor, I get a new medical diagnosis, right? And uh, 
all this chronic stuff. And, and just a couple weeks ago, I'd gone to my PCP, and, and he said, uh, well, I, I saw this uh, 72-year-old gentleman today with multiple medical issues. And I thought, but you see, God blesses because they're all chronic stuff. You know, and, and I, in 2006, my, older, my younger daughter, well, in 2004, my older daughter graduated from college, got married, and moved away. My younger daughter then graduated the next year, and, and then she went into the uh, Peace Corps. Then my son graduated in 2004 from high school, came home, got into trouble with enough, enough underage drinking citations to lose his license for six years. And then he moves to Florida and ends up in jail. And all these things are happening in my life. And then I lose my job. But I tell you what, I look back on those years as some of the best years of my life. Why? Because I turned to the Lord and trusted him through those times. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. But that's when we grow close, right? When things are, are, are wonderful and, and we don't have a care in the world, right? And, the, and, and we have a job and, and we have a good income and our family's in harmony, you know, and we're healthy and, and, and all those things. We don't depend on God and trust him the same way. And whenever you meet a crisis, whenever you have difficulty Whenever I have difficulty, there's a choice to be made, right? To trust, to step into faith, and to trust him for his will and for his provision, or to become angry and anxious and bitter and blame him, right? We always have that choice. But you know what I found? He was faithful. He guided and provided. My faith grew. I learned to discern the voice of God in my heart, and, and it was an amazing, amazing time. But now, here, back to the text. We have an impossible request, right? After all, hadn't God promised that he was going to bless Abraham and his offspring with multitudes and kings and amazing things, and now God was was, was asking it from him. So, so in Genesis 15, we read, and Abraham said, you've given me no offspring, because this is before. And so a slave, not Ishmael, because Ishmael was already born, born in my house is going to be my heir, but the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your, mayor, shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and said, look toward the heavens, count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned to him as righteousness. And then what happened? Later on, three men came and visited him, and another promise was made. And the promise was, then one of the men said, in due season I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Multitudes of descendants through a son to Sarah. And Abraham submits and obeys. Maybe, maybe this morning you desire an impossibility from God, but you're struggling with the faith to believe that he will. Abraham submitted and he obeyed. He obeyed God. 
And we see in this passage then, Isaac submits to and obeys Abraham. And, and we see that parallel, right? A father and a son. And the son is willing to submit to the father. And you see it's a type of what, what Jesus came and did, right? Because he was willing, Jesus was willing to submit to the Father, even though he prayed in the garden, Lord, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me, right? He didn't want to go to the cross, but what did he say? Not his will, but God's be done. And so we observe this paradox of faith in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. But when he was going over there, he was to kill Isaac. But somehow, you see, this is the paradox of faith. He knew he would sacrifice Isaac, but he believed that God would fulfill his promise nevertheless. Abraham's faith was such that even though God was asking Abraham to give back to him all that he had promised him, God would nevertheless keep his promise. And look how Abraham answers Isaac's question in uh, verses 7 and 8. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, son. And he said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And this is what captivated me studying this passage as interpreted by this philosopher. Abraham's face was such that even though God was asking him to give back to him all that he had promised, God would nevertheless keep his promise to Abraham. And look how Abraham answered. And so Abraham answered Isaac. So first, we have a father and son and that whole dynamic of their relationship. Secondly, we have an impossible possibility. Thirdly, we see how God did it. A substitutionary sacrifice, right? But Abraham didn't know that, did he? Even so, he followed through. When they came, this is verse 9, when they came to the place God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But God provided, right? Because the angel said, no, no, here he had the knife, and he was ready to plunge it into his son, and the angel said, no. The father knows that you are going to obey him. Don't harm the son. And what happened? They looked over in the thicket, and there was a ram, right? And he untied Isaac and took him off the, the wood and then got the lamb and tied the lamb and put the, lamb, the, the ram on top and killed the ram and sacrificed it to God. You see... The ram was a substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac. When Jesus came, the son became the substitutionary sacrifice for us. 
right? For you and for me. And what an amazing thing. And that's the impossible possibility. One man died for all that we then can live. God provided. Jehovah Jireh in the Hebrew. God my provider. And now we turn to the question that faith asks us. Really, there, there are sort of two story flows here. One about the impossibility of the promise of, of Isaac being born in old age. But secondly, then, we have the storyline of the impossible request, right? Because the promise was fulfilled. Isaac was born to Sarah when she was 90 years old. And Abraham was 100. The promise was fulfilled. But now we also have the promise requested back. And so maybe God is in your heart promising you something impossible and you need to trust him for it. Or maybe he's asking you to return to him that which is most precious to you. And I don't know what that is. The question is, are you willing? Now, you see, for me, and, and, you know, so am I willing to return to the Lord and you fill in the blank? That thing that is most precious to you, because that was what he was asking of Abraham, right? The promise. Isaac was that which was most precious to him in all of his life. And so he's asking us that. And, And maybe he never will. Maybe he never will. I know for me, probably the most difficult would be a child. And, and maybe, some of you, maybe one, some, someone of you here today has lost a child. And I understand that is a difficult, difficult thing. I've ministered to people. In fact, when I came to the church in New Wilmington, I pastored CMA Church in New Wilmington for five years. And the first two years I was there, I did two SIDS deaths. I, I had the funeral of two SIDS deaths by the same couple. And so there I was one year, and I was called again the next year. Same thing. How devastating can that be in, in my mind, in my way of thinking? But the Lord supplied. You know, it's interesting. Years later, I got a call from the woman. I don't know how she got my name. But a friend of hers was going through a crisis. And she said, look, uh, what you said in those times was so helpful and so encouraging and so supportive that I wanted you to talk to my friend. And I thought to myself, I didn't say anything, but I was there, you see. I was there for them. And I think it wasn't the words. I think it was just the presence of someone walking with them through this grief. That's the question of faith, is it not? Am I willing to believe God? Well, two questions. I'm willing to believe God for the impossible in my life. And secondly, am I willing to give back to him that which is most treasured in my life and still trust him that he is going to provide?